Storehouse Dallas. I wanted to share with you this morning about Jesus and who this man is. He's my best friend. I met Jesus years ago, gosh, almost 20 years ago. As a lot of you have heard my testimony, I got saved um, by hearing the audible voice of the Lord. And um, it's not a typical typical type of situation, um, but I love, I love the idea of salvation because salvation in itself, even if you didn't hear the audible voice of the Lord, is a supernatural exchange. And so what happens during salvation is it takes us from the natural man and transforms us into the supernatural man. And so everything that Jesus did and everything that he's still doing is supernatural. And I wanted to talk about this this morning, and I wanted to talk about Jesus as a supernatural God. When Jesus began to, when he came upon the scene, when he came upon um, the scene there at uh, the River Jordan, when he was approaching John the Baptist, John saw him not by the natural eye, but he saw him through a supernatural eye. And he said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He baptizes Jesus in the Jordan. And when Jesus comes up, a dove, a white dove lands on him. And the audible voice of the Lord says, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And so everything that Jesus did, everything about his life was supernatural. Even before Jesus was born by a virgin, his life was supernatural. 4,000 years of prophecies from different cultures, different generations, different people prophesied about the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, and the power of the Holy Spirit and the coming reign of his kingdom for 4,000 years before Jesus ever breathed a breath. Everything about his life is supernatural. Now, after being baptized by John the Baptist, Jesus came and he said, listen, I'm going to declare. He declared why he came. Jesus uh, would have been actually a really good businessman because he understood you got to cast a vision for my business. And his business was the business of souls. His business was the business of the kingdom. So immediately as the dove, uh, as he came up out of the wilderness after being tested for 40 days, what happened is he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so what he did is he, he preempted the, the, uh, the vision casting that was about to come. That word repent means to change your mind and change your thinking because the kingdom of heaven looks nothing like the kingdom of this earth. And so he was after a supernatural people and he was saying, now, this is my job description. And I want you to, to turn in your Bibles to Luke 4.18. Luke 4.18. Because he said this in Luke 4.18. He's about to say, this is, I'm going to cast this vision statement for my ministry. And this is what I'm going to do. He says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed 
preach the gospel. The word gospel means good news. And he said, I, he, he has anointed me. That means he's given, the Holy Spirit has given him power to preach the gospel. How many of you have ever tried to preach the gospel without power? It is not pretty. It's almost embarrassing and it's painful. So don't do that. So he said, he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So basically he said, this is my job description. This is what I've come to do. I'm casting a vision for my ministry and my ministry is a supernatural ministry. Now, the things that he didn't say is, I have called you to just go to church on Sundays. I have called you to be a religious people. Nope. He didn't say that. He said, I have come because I love you, and I want to help you, and I want to set you free. I want to save you. I want to serve you. I want to empower you. I've come to take you out of the prison of the pain of your heart. And I've come to set you free so that you can fully be who I created you to be. Because he understood that the human heart had been taken captive. That the human mind had been taken captive and that people were only a measure of who they, he created them to be. And without, the, without him coming and setting them free, they couldn't truly be who they really were. The good news that he preached was that a kingdom, a kingdom that was now going to be available to them, and it was coming through the life, through his death, and through his resurrection. That he would demonstrate the kingdom while he was on the earth. And he said, listen, what I show you, then I'm going to teach you. And as I teach you, when I die and I go to be with my father in heaven, I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit with you to empower you to do exactly what you saw me do and what you heard me say. So I want to share some stories with you this morning. Is that okay? I love testimonies and I love examples. Jesus talked about the testimony of Jesus was spread all throughout the epistles after he died. And he, and he went to be with the Father. Peter and Paul, they began to tell the testimonies of Jesus. They began to tell about not just when he lived, but, the, but how they were experiencing the same kind of power that he experienced. I was invited by a dear friend of mine, um, one of our worship leaders, to go to Honduras. And um, when we went down there, I asked the Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to preach? And so we're going to be preaching. I don't know how many of you have ever known about Catacomas, Honduras. But it is the murder capital of the world. And um, we were going to the, the poorest 
uh, neighborhood or the poorest village in the murder capital of the world, and this was the dangerous place in Catacomas. And so um, most churches that would serve in that area, they, they would leave at 4 p.m. because there was so much gunfire that was happening after dark. And so uh, we got by, invited to go down there. And so I took Samuel. Where are you? There's Samuel. I took Samuel. I was like, okay, I need a bodyguard. Sam, you're coming with me. They actually did. They gave me a bot. They did give me an official bodyguard. So I had a guy that followed me around, and he was um, he was a pretty interesting guy. He used to be in the um, used to serve uh, uh, one of the warlords there, but he had gotten saved, and so there he was. He just shadowed me everywhere I went, and I was not allowed to go anywhere without him. That's how dangerous it was. And so we went into this village, and there I was, and I was like, Lord, what do you want me to, what do you want me to share? What do you want me to say? And um, the Lord said, just keep it simple. Keep it simple. The simplicity of the gospel. Give them the gospel. So I just began to talk to him about the kingdom, and I began to talk to them about the difference between the kingdom of heaven and a religious system that most of the world has, has mistakenly thought that that's what Jesus is all about. You know? So I told him about the kingdom. I told him about who Jesus is. And I asked him who, how many people wanted to be saved. And, and, you know, when you go to the poorest area in one of the poorest um, uh, villages in that area, you've got a lot of sickness and disease. And, and there are people that were deaf and blind. And, um, and I mean, just they had uh, that mosquito, uh, Zika, or whatever it was. Um, and so they had a lot of stuff going on, which by the way, I have this thing with the Lord. I have an agreement with the Lord. I said, listen, I'll go wherever you want me to go, but I cannot do the bugs. Okay. And so I was, uh, you get there and if you're there at night, I'm telling you, it is dirt everywhere. I mean, they cover the ceiling. They are all over the, the walls. I mean, it's bad. And so John's like, you know, he's spraying himself down. And I said, no, 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 no. See, this is a supernatural God that we serve, right? So everybody else is, they're doing this and they're, you know, this. And I mean, the mosquitoes, even though they sprayed, the mosquitoes are swarming. And I'm like, nope, I'm not spraying anything on me because God said I didn't have to worry about the bugs. And so I am telling you, not one mosquito bite. <laughs> Praise the Lord, all right? So I want to share some stories with you this morning. Is that okay? I love testimonies and I love examples. Jesus talked about the testimony of Jesus was spread all throughout the epistles after he died and he, and he went to be with the Father. Peter and Paul, they began to tell the testimonies of Jesus. They began to tell about not just when he lived, but, the, but how they were experiencing the same kind of power that he experienced. I was invited by a dear friend of mine, um, one of our worship leaders, to go to Honduras. And um, when we went down there, I asked the Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to preach? And so we're going to be preaching. I don't know how many of you have ever known about Catacomas, Honduras, but it is the murder capital of the world. And um, we were going to the, the poorest 
uh, neighborhood or the poorest village in the murder capital of the world, and this was the dangerous place in Catacomas. And so um, most churches that would serve in that area, they, they would leave at 4 p.m. because there was so much gunfire that was happening after dark. And so uh, we got by, invited to go down there. And so I took Samuel. Where are you? There's Samuel. I took Samuel. I was like, okay, I need a bodyguard. Sam, you're coming with me. They actually did, they gave me a, they did give me an official bodyguard. So I had a guy that followed me around and he was, um, he was a pretty interesting guy. He used to be in the, um, used to serve uh, uh, one of the warlords there, but he had gotten saved. And so there he was, he just shadowed me everywhere I went. And I was not allowed to go anywhere without him. That's how dangerous it was. And so we went into this village and there I was, and I was like, Lord, what do you want me to, what do you want me to share? What do you want me to say? And um, the Lord said, just keep it simple. Keep it simple. The simplicity of the gospel. Give them the gospel. So I just began to talk to him about the kingdom, and I began to talk to them about the difference between the kingdom of heaven and a religious system that most of the world has, has mistakenly thought that that's what Jesus is all about. You know? So I told him about the kingdom. I told him about who Jesus is. And I asked him who, how many people wanted to be saved. And, and, you know, when you go to the poorest area in one of the poorest um, uh, villages in that area, you've got a lot of sickness and disease. And, and there are people that were deaf and blind. And, um, and I mean, just they had uh, that mosquito, uh, Zika, or whatever it was. Um, and so they had a lot of stuff going on, which by the way, I have this thing with the Lord. I have an agreement with the Lord. I said, listen, I'll go wherever you want me to go, but I cannot do the bugs. Okay. And so I was, uh, you get there. And if you're there at night, I'm telling you, it is dirt everywhere. I mean, they cover the ceiling. They are all over the, the walls. I mean, it's bad. And so John's like, you know, he's spraying himself down. And I said, no, 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 no. See, this is a supernatural God that we serve, right? So everybody else is, they're doing this and they're, you know, this. And I mean, the mosquitoes, even though they sprayed, the mosquitoes are swarming. And I'm like, nope, I'm not spraying anything on me because God said I didn't have to worry about the bugs. And so I am telling you, not one mosquito bite. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. So we get there and, um, we began praying for people, uh, prophesying over people. People are getting saved, and they're getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And as this is happening, and there's a whole line of people, as this is happening, they start getting delivered of these demons. Like, these demons come out of them. And I'm telling you, there are these little 90-pound, you know, frail little teenage girls who are just so sweet and everything. And all of a sudden, I'm praying for them, and a voice comes out of them saying, I'm not leaving. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, you are, because Jesus is king, and he has come, and you got to go. So I laid hands on these people, and they start, they all start throwing up. And I'm not talking about, you know, oh, hey, I think I have food poisoning throwing up. I am talking about volumes of vomit. And Sam and I are there, and I mean, Sam can attest to this. I'm telling you, it was all over the floor. People were getting, they were getting delivered, 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 delivered. And, and as this was happening, the, the village witch is in the back who came to put a curse on me, right? And as all of these people are getting delivered, I look over, and she is hot-tailing it out of there. 
It was awesome. So all of these people in that village, here's what happened. They all heard the gospel of the kingdom, which is a gospel of power. Blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom. And let me tell you what happened to this whole community. That whole community got set free of all of this demonic oppression. Remember, Jesus said, I've come to set the captives free. That's not like a suggestion. Guys, you don't see this in the American church. I mean, we used to have protocol of uh, garbage cans up at the front because people were getting so delivered. This is the gospel of the kingdom. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is what people need. They need freedom. And so all of these people, we saw, we saw I was praying for this one woman, <clears throat> and she hadn't been able to see out of her eyes. Her eyes were all clouded over. And again, there's no medicine. There's no, there's no plan B. There's no plan A. There's no plan B. There's no plan C for these people. They have no hope. When they get sick, it's like, oh, well, sorry about that. I mean, it's, it, the people are dying. People are getting shot left and right. We saw this one girl whose finger got shot off. She was, um, how old was she, baby? She was 15 she was about 15 years old. Her finger got shot off. Samuel prayed for her and watched with his open eyes. Her finger grew back. I mean, we were seeing those kinds of miracles. It was phenomenal. And, 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 it, and it wasn't because I've got a microphone. It's because my father is the king. It is because I am a daughter of the most high God. And I have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of me. And as I pray, he shows up. As I declare, he shows up, right? And so all of these people, it was so phenomenal watching all of this happen. So the sun is setting, and this thing's going on. And so the, the, the person that brought me there said, you know, we should probably leave. Well, everybody's hearing about this. You know, they live in huts. They have no electricity and no running water, but they all have an iPhone, right? And so they're on the phone, and they're calling their friends, and they're like, hey, something's happening over here. People are getting healed. Well, everybody is suffering with some sort of sickness. So people start coming and it's like, okay. And the lady's like, well, you know, we, we really need to go because it's getting dark. And I said, you know what? I will leave when the Holy Spirit tells me to leave. I am not afraid of the darkness. I am here to do the business with the Lord. And when he tells me to go, I'll go. I am fearless. One of the things about serving the Lord is that it creates in you a boldness that is not a natural thing. And so you're like, I will go when Jesus tells me to go. If he says it's dangerous, I'll go. And I'm telling you, nothing happened to us. I did hear gunshots, but nothing happened to us. Praise the Lord. So that was so much fun. Now, there had been a church down there ministering to these people and feeding them, which is good. It's good to be fed. But as believers, we are called to teach them how to fish. We are called to train them and teach them about the gospel, introduce the gospel. Everybody there got saved. Everybody there got filled with the Holy Spirit. And what's happening now is that the church that had rejected them because they're so poor, right, they, they have been teaching them and training them in the word, but it's that, and that's good, again, but even Jesus said, I did not 
not come in word only, but by power. I came by power. The church, we've got to get the power of Jesus. And so um, um, what has happened in that community now is that we now have three houses of prayer in Honduras. The people from the other churches They are now flooding into these houses of prayer because they know this is where they can get healed. This is where they can get delivered. This is how they can function in the kingdom and be trained how to live a life of abundance. Isn't that exciting? Now, let me tell you something else. We went there one time. One time. And it changed everything. Because the power of God came. And they said yes to it. And they said yes to it. They were not theologians. They could not argue or debate doctrine with you. They were poor people that most of them couldn't read. But they said yes. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. And so they began to function with God in power. And three teenagers in that community have raised people from the dead. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Teenagers. That's going to happen in our our youth group. Jesus is saying, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. I have come to give you everything that you can't do for yourself. I'm a supernatural God that came to give you a supernatural life so that you can live not at a low level on the earth, but I've called you that you could live above this because I come to to help you, to help you. The king of the universe, the one that created heaven and earth and all that is in it came to give us more than we could get on our own. And when we live this kind of life, what happens is we've entered into peace. Luke 24, verses 43 through 55. It should be up here. Is it up there? Okay, I'm going to read it. Then Jesus said, all right, this is, this is a verse after Jesus Um, went to the cross, he died, and he rose on the third day. He showed himself. He went around going, hey, I'm still alive. I'm still here. So he went around, and he showed himself to, to over 500 people in the flesh. And he said this to his disciples. This was the last thing that he said before he rose to be with the Father. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all of the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. You are witnesses of these things. 
and I will send the Holy Spirit just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Power from heaven. Wait here until you get power from heaven. God did not send his son for religious activities. He did not send his son for us to live in word only, but to live by every word of God now, today. God is writing my story today. God is writing your story today. We are all the testimony of Jesus in the earth today. When he came, he left and then came by the power of his Holy Spirit to live on the inside of us so that we could be made into a new creation. He said, I've come to raise up a company of people who will be different because they have God in them. When Jesus was on the earth, he was 100% God and 100% man. And he said, I've come to show you what it's like to be 100% God and 100% man. And when the power of God is living on the inside of us, we become 100% God and 100% man. It's the better version, right? Because for us, we're Westerners. And so we can go to the doctor. But for us, we're not supposed to have a plan B either. Plan A. Plan A. You know, when I was, um, when we were uh, building this building, there were all these workmen here. I couldn't really communicate with a lot of them, but, um, but I tried. And w- they would come in and they would be, you know, their, their jobs are hard. They, they, are, they work physical labor. And so they would come in and, and be like, their back is out. I'm talking like several discs that are blown. And, and they wouldn't be able to work. They would be hobbling around, and I'd be like, what's going on, you know? And they're in so much pain, you know? And, and, and that's the way we should respond. When we see somebody in pain, we should be like, oh, no, that really hurts me that you're in that much pain. We should be so moved with compassion that we can't stand for that people to, to be in that sort of pain. And so I said to him, tell me what's going on. And so he told me about his back and that he had a ruptured disc and he's trying to work with a ruptured disc. And I'm like, yeah, no, that's not okay. And so I prayed for him. Amory was there. We both prayed for him and he got healed. His pain went from a nine into a zero, just like that. And he didn't, he, and so for the rest of the time he was here, if he re-hurt himself, not in his back or in any part of his body, he's running over to me saying, okay, this hurts right here. Can you pray for it? <laughs> yeah, there's no plan B. He doesn't have insurance, you know? All right, I want to give you um, another testimony. So, the, so when we were in Honduras and we're leaving the most dangerous place, you know, we're getting on the bus and we're going to go home. Well, on our way back to um, the capital of Honduras, uh, my friend said, you know, we need to stop by uh, this prison and we're going to see some friends of mine who got falsely accused and got put into prison. And so I was like, okay, well, that sounds cool. So I didn't think anything of it. I wasn't like fasting and praying, thinking, oh, this is going to be weird, crazy. Because, you know, I've been to prisons in America And, you know, it's pretty safe. You go in there, you know, y'all know the drill. You know, there's either glass involved that separates you from, you know, hardened criminals or or something. But this is, but this prison that we went to were all of the prisoners from the murder capital of the world 
and the most desperate place in the murder capital of the world. So I got out, my bodyguards behind me, feeling pretty good, bodyguards right there. So we, we go to check in, and they said, well, the only thing that you can take with you are your Bibles. You got to leave everything else. You got to leave your passport. You got to leave everything else. And uh, your bodyguard has to leave his gun. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what? Okay, that's fine. That's fine. That's cool. Because, you know, I know about prisons. You know, I've ministered in prisons. It's okay. So um, Sharon's ministered in prisons a lot. She knows it's perfectly safe. You know, they'll bring them all out here. There's armed guards all around. We're, we're being taken care of. So they, they lead us there. And just, uh, just a, an aside, I'm wearing my skinny jeans and a T-shirt because it's like 118 degrees, right? And not even thinking anything, you know, like we're going to go visit some friends of Lisa's. It'll be good. So they lead us into this place. Samuel's behind me. There's like six of us. And um, they throw us into the general population. <clears throat> okay, now let me just describe to you what this looks like, okay? This, these are guys with the teardrop tattoos. And they, they don't have like orange uniforms, you know, they not, they're not wearing shirts, and there's stab wounds and gunshots, and and um, they are terrifying. So, and you can walk in, and you can feel the spirit that is on that place. And I, I, you know, they're looking at me, and I'm thinking, I feel like a minnow in a shark tank right now. And so we're walking, we're walking, and we're all trying to stay together. <laughs> up against the wall. And so the, the, they take us to this area that's kind of covered, and um, the warden starts to take us into this side room, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, good, a door, a door. We're going to be behind this door. And so they take us in this room that's a chapel where all the Catholics meet. Now, you know, we're in Honduras, you know, 95% of the country is Catholic, and so all the Catholics are in there. And then they, they go in there, and they start lifting these chairs up and taking them back out into the general population. I'm like, why are they moving those chairs? Oh, gosh. And so they're like, no, no, you can't be in here. You have to go out there. So back out with the general population, I'm like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Oh, they're all staring at us. Well, by that time, um, they put us in these chairs, and these chairs make these circles. And, and, and all of the guys that are in their cells have all gotten the information that something's happening. And so they all start flooding out of their cells. And before we know it, there are over, what, 300 inmates who are staring at us. <clears throat> and Lisa said, um, I'm going to play a song. Let's worship the Lord. And I'm like, "Mm, okay. So she starts to tune her guitar. Guys, I'm telling you, it felt like eternity for her to tune this guitar. I was like, hurry! (laughs) So I've got, I've got the, the bodyguard is not even sitting by me. You know, I've got Samuel on one side and I have the, I have my interpreter on the other side. And I'm sitting there just trying not to look at all of these eyeballs that are staring holes in us. And, um, and the Holy Spirit said, I want you to preach the gospel. And I said, oh, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea at all. <laughs> and he said, no, I want you to preach the gospel. Um, yeah, I don't, I, how would that exactly happen? You know, it's a, 
that wasn't in my plan. My plan was, I'm going to say hi to a friend of my friend and then get out, right? That's just, hi, good to see you. Let me say a prayer for you and run for the door. And, um, and so I'm like, okay, okay. And I looked at my interpreter, and I looked at Samuel, and I said, all right, come on, we're going to go preach the gospel. And my interpreter, his eyeballs got like saucers, and he's like, Monday, okay? No possible. All of a sudden, he forgot Spanish, you know? He's like, so, so I stand up there, and I said, okay, everybody come around. And I'm like, what are you talking about? What is coming out of my mouth? So everybody starts coming around, right? All these shirtless, you know, shot up men. <clears throat> and um, Samuel said, Mom, I have a plan. Okay, here's what Samuel's. If they kill you, then. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, if they hurt you, I'll kill them, and then you can raise them from the dead. <laughs> that was our plan. So. I said, okay, so I start preaching the gospel, and I tell them Jesus died on the cross to bring his family home to his father, that the whole thing was about love. It was all about love. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So I start preaching the gospel, and I start talking to them about, about love versus religion, life versus religion. And, um, and so they're listening. And so then I said, okay, who would like to give their life to the Lord today? <clears throat> and they're all just staring at me, crickets, right? Just, and I'm thinking, <clears throat> Okay, this really isn't going the way I thought it would. I did what you said. And I hear the Lord almost laughing at me, saying, <clears throat> okay, so you need to ask them who needs to be healed. And so I was like, oh, yeah, 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 that's a good idea. Okay, so who here needs to be healed? And they're all just standing there looking at me, you know, and I'm like, okay. And suddenly, one guy steps up, and I'm like, oh, thank you, brother. <laughs> and so I ask him what was wrong with, and, and, you know, and he tells me his ailment. I mean, something pretty bad, you know, and I was like, okay, so what's your level of pain? He said, I'm in pain all the time, constant, no relief, like a 10. I said, does it hurt right now? He goes, it is hurting so bad I can hardly stand up. So this is all through my interpreter. And so I lay hands on him. The Holy, the Holy Spirit heals him immediately. And he's like, whoa, what just happened? And I said, that's the Holy Spirit, and he loves you. Do you want to give your life to the Lord? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, okay, this is good. So, so he repents and confesses and receives the Lord. And I said, okay, I want to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. And he goes, what's that? And I said, trust me, you'll like it. <laughs> He's like, okay. So I do. And he sa I said, what do you feel in your body? And he said, I feel, it feels like ants on the inside. It was the only description. And they all said the same thing, that the Holy Spirit, when he came on the inside of them, it felt like ants, which for me, it felt like butterflies, but that was their description. So I was like, well, okay. So I said, okay, does anybody else need healing? And so one other guy steps forward, and same thing happened with him. Immediate healing, immediate salvation, immediate baptism in fire. And all of a sudden, 300 men start forming a line. And I'm going, oh, 
Okay, this is happening. <laughs> Woo! Jesus is king. <laughs> so we just go one, one, one. All of a sudden, the door to the Catholic room that I wasn't allowed in opens. And all of these guys step out and they go, what's happening? So they come over and totally break in line. And they're like, what are you doing? What's happening here? Can I have some of it? Will you pray for me? And I'm like, sure. So we pray for them. They get filled with fire, filled with the Holy Spirit. It was awesome. So all of a sudden, the warden shows up, and he realizes what's going on. And he's like, yeah, you got to go. And I'm like, wait, I'm just starting to have fun. (laughs) What happened before? Anyway, so I said, okay, okay. Well, they all know what's happening, too. And so all the inmates start to rush me. And I'm like, whoa, okay, it's okay because I'm going to pray and the Holy Spirit is going to do this and you can pray for each other once you get saved and baptized. You don't need me. This is not me. This is Jesus. And so I, I said, okay, how many of you here are sick and need healing in your body? And so they all, they, uh, like half of them raised their hands. And I said, okay, Holy Spirit, would you come and heal all of them? And so as I'm literally being dragged out by the warden, he's literally, I'm like, Holy Spirit, fall on them. <laughs> Holy Spirit falls. They all get healed. And they all feel the fire of God. And we were like, that is incredible. Guys, this is the God that we serve. This is the truth of who Jesus is, who came to heal us, save us, set us free. Not so we could just participate in a bunch of religious activities. God is like, Jesus said, I did not come to judge you, but I came to save you. I love you. I love you. Come to me so that you can be healed. Come to me so you can feel a love that is a supernatural love. You know, when I walked in that place, when I walked into that prison, they looked at me and they saw with eyes of lust, they saw a woman. But when I walked out, they were literally following me just trying to touch my hand. And they were looking at me, not as a woman, but as a saint. They were looking at me as someone who was holy. Within an hour, that whole prison got touched and transformed by the power of love. And Jesus, when he walked the earth, he didn't spend all of his time, you know, teaching. He said, I'm going to teach, and then I'm going to show you. I'm going to equip you. I'm going to tell you, you have the power to do this. You have the power to do this. This is the gospel, that the gospel is a gospel of power. It is good news that whatever you need, whether it be finances, whether it be rent, whatever it is, whether it be healing, there is an answer for us. So just to be, you know, like a good teacher, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that the Bible says that there are four things that will be evidence of of salvation. The first is the gifts of the Spirit out of Matthew 10. 
he, Jesus said this, as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons freely. You have received freely give. Listen, guys, I don't know about you, but I left the world and I was a wild woman. There was no containing the fire that I had in my heart for life. There is no way that I'm going to leave the world and go, what? You want me to get, you want me to put myself in a prison of religion? No, I have never, ever experienced anything as exhilarating as the love of God, the peace of God, the power of God. I'm having the time of my life. And I can tell you that I would rather be uh, someone that has influence than someone that is popular on Facebook. Amen? The second thing was the fruit of the spirits out of Galatians 5. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These attributes will be seen on those who are believers. The third thing, Jesus, uh, not uh, uh, in 1 John 5, it says to keep his commandments. 1 John 5, uh, chapter 3. Now he who keeps the commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. And number four is the confession of Jesus. First John 4, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Jesus said this. Listen. I hate religion too. <laughs> he did. He said that. He hated what the Pharisees were doing in that day. He called them whitewashed tombs because they would say one thing but do another. And he was looking for an honest and authentic people who were filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, which helped us to overcome and helped us to love people in a supernatural way. You know, one of the things about my life that I've realized is that people don't need more Tracy. And I'm an extrovert. And people can tell you, you know, I can spin a room. But people don't need more Tracy. They need more God in Tracy. They need more God in Tracy. John and I were out to dinner with um, one of his clients the other night. And it was wonderful. And he had a boot on his foot. And I was like, ooh. Got a boot on your foot. Looks like tonight's going to get fun. <laughs> you know it's bad when you see somebody who's hurting and you're like, oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> Something's about to happen. Anyway, so uh, by the end of the evening, John and I just laid hands on him and we prayed for him. And, um, and the next day, they texted us and said, nobody's ever done that. Nobody's ever prayed for us before. That really touched our hearts that you would that you would do that. And you're like, okay, well, that's how that's who we're called to be, right? You know, the greatest um, all of those all of those testimonies are so exciting, aren't they? Jesus is real and he's alive today. But with all of that power, I can tell you that the power that, has, that I love and I hold dear the most is the power of a changed heart. 
you know, before I knew the Lord, I had a heart, and I didn't even know it. That's the weird part. You don't even know it, you know? You don't realize the deficit that you have in your heart until Jesus comes and lives in your heart, and it explodes with capacity. And you're like, whoa, I'm alive. I'm alive. And that was the greatest miracle of all, that my heart came alive. And I was like, hi, all I want to do is tell everybody about Jesus. And I became a Jesus freak. And I was quoting scripture all the time. And I changed my email to 2 Corinthians 3.17. And all of a sudden, everything I had was Jesus saves. Jesus saves. You know, because it's such good news. You're like, I found the lover of my soul. I found the one that created me. And there's no one that can love me or tell me who I am but this man. And so I just want to tell you that today, that if you don't know the Lord like this, he is inviting you into this kind of life. And he'll take everything that is yours and he'll explode it exponentially beyond what you can hope and imagine. Every experience of your life will be heightened. Every experience of your life, the power, the love, the peace, the joy, the righteousness, it all goes way up. And all of those dreams that you carry in your heart, he will do it for you. So I'm just going to pray, and I'm going to put on some worship music. And if you don't know Jesus and you want to know him today, if you're like, man, I could use some help. Or, man, my heart is desperate for love. I want to invite you. We're going to have a team up here, and I want to invite you to come up, and we'll pray for you. Also, for those of you that have never been to Storehouse before, we will prophesy over you. Everybody here prophesies. How many of you have been healed in this house? Raise your hand. How many of you have been prophesied over accurately in this house? Raise your hand. I'm telling you, we are called to be a supernatural people. If you feel weary today and you really need a touch from the Holy Spirit, we want to pray for you. If you need healing in your body, we want to pray for you. But let me tell you this. It's not an accident that the Lord brought you here today. I want you to really take a minute and ask the Lord if today is your day. So, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come. I ask, Father, for a quickening. Would you come and illuminate those that need a touch from your Holy Spirit? Would you come and rescue those that don't know you yet? Would you come and touch them and bring them into your family, into your family of affection, into your family of God? We bless you, Lord, and we thank you, God, for the power of love, for the power of life, for the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that still lives today and is still calling his kids home. He's still calling his family home. 
And Father, I thank you for eternal life and that it doesn't begin when we die, but it begins the minute we say yes. And that we, our lives, as small as they are, will explode and you will take us to the ends of the earth to touch people in Honduras, to touch people in Moldova, to touch people all over Europe, to touch people in Dallas, and to touch our family members. We bless you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. If you've been inspired by this message, we invite you to partner with us by visiting storehousedallas.com forward slash give.